0: All right, good morning. Open your Bibles please or navigate on your device to John chapter 7 and put in at verse 37. John 7:37. And we'll work our way down Lord willing to verse 53 as we continue in our verse by verse, chapter by chapter study through the Gospel of John. The topic, Jesus promises every believer that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The title of our message A river runs through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us to this place. The Apostle Paul tells us, Lord, in the book of Ephesians that we come together to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. It's a reminder, Lord, that each of us has various ministries to perform, serving in the church and out of the church, serving in our home, at our workplace, wherever we find ourselves We are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. I pray that we would learn things today, Lord, that would help us to uh, have a greater compassion for the lost, to be more Christ-like in our everyday life, and in every way, Lord, uh, promote the goodness and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Misinformation is the word on everyone's lips. It is defined as incorrect or misleading information presented as fact. Misinformation is unintentional, whereas disinformation is intentional. In the COVID-19 era, social media posts are routinely marked as misinformation, then deleted. Entire profiles disappear in the cloud or individuals are banned from Uh, participating. It seems as though any information with which a government or big tech disagrees can be labeled misinformation. I I hope you realize that at some point the Bible is going to be uh, deemed misinformation or disinformation. Uh, just, uh, Just the reading of scripture is going to go against the general flow of our society right now. And so if you're counting on the internet, Uh, for your church. uh, It's going to be gone one day because they're just going to pull the plug on that. Free speech is in jeopardy. Not to worry. The Department of Homeland Security is on the job. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced during testimony before the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security that DHS had created the Disinformation Governance Board. What could go wrong? The Jewish authorities constantly waged a misinformation and disinformation campaign against Jesus. Their tweet might read, Local carpenter continues to spread disinformation deemed harmful by religious experts. In our text, they misformed the nation about where the Lord was from. In verse 41, they said, Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. As a matter of fact, Jonah was from the region of Galilee, So were Nahum, Hosea, Elijah, and Elisha. Jesus did not correct them by pointing out that he was, in fact, born in Bethlehem, according to the scriptures. He used the occasion to discuss spiritual birth. He spoke of the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. If you are a believer, you have received God the Holy Spirit. Receiving God the Holy Spirit will be our point of contact with this text I'll organize my comments around two points. Number one, believe who you have received. And number two, beware you are not deceived. Let's talk about who we have received in verses 37, 8, and 9. We like to say you can't believe everything you hear unless you hear it from the Lord. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will not do... Or has he spoken and will not make it good? For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. The words of Jesus everywhere are altogether true and no less so in this chapter. They are not a metaphor. They are not mystical. They are not for the monastery, but they are for mainstream Christian living. Jesus is talking to you and me this morning. Believer, believe him is something to take away with you this morning. So verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Tabernacles is one of the seven feasts celebrated by the nation of Israel. The pilgrims swelling the population of Jerusalem spent seven nights camping in makeshift booths to commemorate the Exodus generation and God tabernacling with his people. The priests would each morning lead a procession to pour water over the altar that had previously been drawn from the Pool of Siloam. Commentators say it represented the rock that followed the Israelites, providing abundant water for millions. Either on the seventh day, right after the water was poured, or on the eighth day, when no water was poured, Jesus exclaimed that he was the fulfillment of the ritual. It was a shadow for which he was the substance. He alone could satisfy spiritual thirst moment by moment and forever. The Apostle Paul would reveal to the church in Corinth, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so there are a lot of um, references in the Old Testament to the satisfaction, the refreshing of water, Uh, the children of Israel. It always cracks me up because Paul says that rock that followed them, uh, maybe it was like those rocks in uh, Death Valley. Is that where it is, where they move and they, they kind of scurry along? But, but this wasn't like a hose bib, you know. It wasn't like going to your hose and turning it on. I mean, this was water that came out of the rock to, to take care of millions of people and their livestock wherever they went. Uh, and so you, you, when we talk about the flow of water or the Holy Spirit or whatever, this is a torrent of water that is uh, inexhaustible. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, Will flow rivers of living water. As I said, uh, loads of verses compare God the Holy Spirit to water. Scholars agree that there is no one particular verse that Jesus was quoting. The Lord seems to have been speaking in what might be called the volume of the book. The consistent teaching of the Old Testament is that God the Holy Spirit is like a refreshing, inexhaustible torrent of life giving water. And so sometimes, uh, you know, Jesus or the apostles or the folks that wrote the New Testament will quote from the Old Testament a specific verse, or you can find out uh, where they're headed from that. But this is a situation in which Jesus is just saying, hey, the the entire Old Testament uh, pretty much speaks of this. When the Spirit comes, it's going to be like a torrent of water flowing through individuals. Without getting biomechanical, the believer's heart... It's belly in the, New King J- or in the King James Version. I kind of like that, don't you? I was going to title this In the Belly of the Blessed because, uh, uh, you know, I'm glad I didn't because you didn't laugh. But anyway, uh, it would be a constantly overflowing reservoir of life-giving, thirst-quenching, living water. It is an especially apt illustration to desert living people accustomed to digging wells from which to draw water every few hours of the day. And so when you started talking about inexhaustible torrents of water, uh, people would perk up. Just like farmers might here in the Central Valley. Instead of having to beg, borrow, and steal. uh, That's probably not fair, right? Now I just accuse farmers of stealing. My career just ended. But uh, anyway... Uh, you understand, uh, you, water super important resource, and so the Lord draws from this. Where do help and hope come from? They come from the Lord. It's His life giving flow into and then through you that is real help for people. Uh, and so there's a you know there's a lot of uh, resources in the world. Uh, as a um, my work as a law enforcement chaplain over the years. There are lots of resources that are available to people through the county and the federal government and all these different things. And those are great. You know, they, they, they can help financially or, you know, in whatever way. But uh, the great resource is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the hope and the help that the Lord can bring. What's funny about being a chaplain is they don't want you to talk about that. Uh, in general. Now I've never had problems with Lamore or with Hanford Fire those are great organizations but in the bigger world especially get into bigger communities uh, the chaplains aren't really there to do spiritual work they're more like social workers and you're not really supposed to talk about your faith and uh, I like that line that Thanos used at the end of uh, Infinity War he says you never used your greatest weapon And, and so if you're a if you're a person and you're trying to help people with psychology or philosophy or some of these other methods you're not using your greatest weapon which is Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ which will transform an individual and perhaps leave them in the situation that they're in but with grace to endure and to be strengthened and so uh, don't you know I understand there's pressures but you have Jesus to share with people And uh, not only is it always appropriate, it it is the only hope and help that is really significant. This promise is for anyone and everyone, whoever and whosoever who believes in Jesus. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. God the Holy Spirit is like rivers of living water, he constantly refreshes and satisfies the believer. He engages the believer as a conduit to serve others. If you are saved, God the Holy Spirit is present in your heart to maintain and direct this constant source and overflow. Jesus was glorified when he arose from the dead in an eternal body. His resurrection proves that we likewise will be raised or raptured. Everyone will be raised. Unfortunately, many will be raised to face judgment. The ministry of God, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, did not involve his permanent indwelling. He was with saints, he came upon saints, he filled them for a time, but their bodies were never his temple as we enjoy today. Jesus said it, not me. He said, This isn't going to happen until the Spirit is given, and that's not going to happen until I'm glorified, and that didn't happen until he was resurrected from the dead. And so there's a lot of debate among scholars and Bible teachers about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and, and it was just different. It was effective, it was powerful, but the permanent indwelling of God the Holy Spirit is a mystery revealed to the New Testament church, uh, and it never existed until Jesus rose from the dead. Something we often overlook is that before the day of Pentecost, Jesus was offering national Israel this promised gift. It was part of the kingdom promise. He said through Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Uh, He also said through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them." This is a new promise he was making to Israel. i will put my spirit within you. That means he wasn't doing that on a regular basis beforehand. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, they not only missed out on the kingdom, but they missed out on this tremendous relationship. It was all postponed. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended, the promised gift, the indwelling, came upon the disciples. We call it the birthday of the church. It was, but Jesus was not done offering Israel its kingdom. It was a watershed moment for Israel because for quite a while, maybe a decade or so, the gospel was preached predominantly to Jews. We interpret this as the Lord continuing to reach out to the nation of Israel. Even after the authorities had had him crucified, the Lord was still offering them the promises God eventually sent Peter to the household of Cornelius, a Gentile convert to Judaism. A kind of second Gentile Pentecost occurred as God the Holy Spirit came upon them, indicating that there was going to be a change now in the preaching of the gospel. And then finally, the Apostle Paul proclaimed at the, book, uh, in, at the end of the book of Acts that God was postponing his plan for Israel for an unspecified period of time called the fullness of the Gentiles while the gospel went out to the Gentile world, don't too quickly criticize Israel. I mean, we look at this and we say, "Man, they—they they said no to the Lord. They said no to their kingdom. They said no to this relationship, uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit." What a bunch of bucketheads! Anyone who hears the gospel and refuses to receive Christ is making that error uh, again. They're refusing citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And they're refusing the filling of the Holy Spirit and the transforming of, of themselves into a new creature. And, and so it continues. And, and so I always like to point those things out. We look at people and think, oh, that's, they're stupid. Well, so is, anyway, in a, I say this respectfully, but it's stupid to refuse Jesus for what he's offering. Uh, free. Uh, you know, and, and he'll do all the changing in you. You don't even have to do anything. Believing is the one thing we can do without doing anything. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God the Holy Spirit is a person. You receive him as a person, not as a power. Let me hopefully illustrate in something, you know, all illustrations are, uh, fail in some point, but maybe this will help. Let's say there's a knock on your door. You open the door, no one's there, but someone has left a plate of delicious snickerdoodle cookies. Because they know that your favorite cookie is the snickerdoodle. The large, soft, more cake kind. Not the hard, crispy ones. (laughs) Just mention that in passing. You thereby enjoy a gift from the person, but not the person himself. When God the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it isn't just to leave snickerdoodles on your doorstep. He comes in as a person with gifts. He lives in you. He indwells you. Put simply, if you are a believer, believe you have received God the Holy Spirit in his fullness because you really have. We'll talk more about that in a while. Beware you're not deceived, verses 40 through 53. It was called the birther movement. Its adherents asserted Barack Obama was ineligible to be president of the United States because he was not a natural-born citizen of the United States, as required by Article Two of the Constitution. His birth certificate ought to have solved the problem. It was alleged, however, that it was a forgery. Jesus had no certified copy of his birth certificate. It wasn't easy to prove where you were born and where you were from. Uh, do a lot of searching and you'll find that there there weren't a lot of documents that you carried around with you uh, in ancient times. It literally relied, relied largely on word of mouth. The rulers would spread misinformation about Jesus' backstory pretty easily uh, because there was so much confusion just culturally about what was going on. And so, uh, you know, if you couldn't prove who you were, they would just kind of do a background check on you and ask people, is this the guy that you know, came from this town? Oh yeah, yeah, we know his family and his family goes way back. I love the Portuguese community here in Hanford. It, everybody's related, right? It's so fun. I say, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? Oh yeah, that's my second cousin on my mother's side who married my brother-in-law's friend or something like that. And everybody knows where everybody is from and that, that's kind of the system that they had in the, in the New Testament. Everybody knew where everybody was from or they, oh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of those line of people and stuff. Because you couldn't just whip out your real ID driver's license. You know, there weren't things like that. If records were kept, they were kept, you know, in a book somewhere, not, you didn't carry them around. And so uh, it was easy to misinform or disinform people. And so verse 40 Uh, Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Moses predicted that a capital P prophet would come to Israel. Some thought he would be the Messiah. I want to pause and point out that the people here were futurists. They understood that Moses was predicting the coming of a person in the future. This wasn't some ideology or allegory. A real person, the prophet, was going to come. I mention that because non-futurists want to argue that in the New Testament, Antichrist is merely an ideology or an allegory, not a real person who is coming. While we would agree there is a so-called spirit of Antichrist at work in the world, there is the Antichrist who's coming to establish a global government in the last days. Verse 41, others said this is the Christ, Christ is not a secondary name for Jesus. He would have been known as Jesus bar Joseph, meaning Jesus, the son of Joseph. Christ means anointed one. It's a title of the Messiah. He would be the one anointed by heaven. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Yes to the Messiah being a descendant of David and being born in Bethlehem. Jesus can check those boxes. You remember we talked last week about when the uh, wise men uh, came to Herod uh, and looking for the king of the Jews. Uh, he got the religious leaders together and he said, Hey, where's this Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, Oh, in Bethlehem. Um, and so it was widely known that he would be a descendant of David born in Bethlehem. So, why emphasize Galilee here? Well, Jesus never lived in Bethlehem. He may have been there for as little as 10 days, up to a few years after being born, but probably less than that. His family fled to Egypt when Herod started killing babies. Upon their return to Israel, his family settled in Nazareth of Galilee. Now, I was born in 1955 in Stamford, Connecticut. I lived in San Bernardino for 27 years from 1958 until 1985. I've lived in Hanford the last 37 years. Where am I from? Am I from Connecticut? Am I from San Bernardino? Am I from Hanford? Well, it depends on where I am. If I'm in Hanford, I can't really say I'm from Hanford, can I? I can say I've lived here close to four decades, but I'm actually from San Bernardino. If I'm in San Bernardino, I can say, yeah, this is my hometown, even though I wasn't born here. I usually wouldn't say, well, I'm from Connecticut. Uh, that doesn't, you know, I was there till I was three. I made a real impact on the Connecticut community, you know. <laughs> and and so, so that's the kind of thing you're faced with here. It's like, well, well everybody knows that, you know, Jesus wasn't from Galilee. Well, what? he was, in a sense, from Galilee. He could be considered to be from Galilee. And so that was the narrative spread by the rulers to discredit him as the Christ. They knew he had been born in Bethlehem, but taking advantage of the general ignorance of the times, they said, well, he's from Galilee. He's been there his whole life. And we know that the, you know, this person doesn't come from Galilee. Verse 44, now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. This is the bad kind of laying on of hands. You know, we, we lay the hands on each other sometimes in prayer or, you know, that kind of a thing in a formal way, uh, but uh, you don't want these guys laying hands on you because they're going to arrest you. In the earlier part of this chapter, we saw that at least two groups in authority wanted to take Jesus into custody. Both were thwarted supernaturally. It was just not God's time for him to be arrested. Servants of God can be supernaturally protected so that no one so much as touches a hair on their head or they may be taken hold of. James, the brother of John, is arrested in the book of Acts. Herod kills him with the sword, we're told. Seeing that it pleased the Jews, Herod arrested Peter. God freed Peter from prison. And so people like to scratch their head about that one. Why why is James beheaded and Peter is set free? But seriously, let me just ask this. Who would you rather be, James or Peter? It's a hard choice, really, because as Paul said, uh, you know, he would, you know, he'd like to live for Christ, but to die is gain. And so both of these guys illustrate that. And so, uh, you know, Peter went on to live for Christ, but for James, to die was gain. So we just need to be you. I just need to be me and face each day with the overflow of God, the Holy Spirit, and know that there are probably times when no one can touch you, and other times when they're going to take a hold of you. Verse 45, then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered to them and said, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? At a CinemaCon in Las Vegas, Olivia Wilde was handed an envelope marked personal and confidential while she was on stage during a presentation. I was given to her by a woman in the front row. She was served with legal papers during her presentation. And so the they didn't even wait until she was done. They just went up there and served her. Officer of the temple, uh, rather officers of the temple police made a decision in the field to not interrupt Jesus mid-talk. And so they found the Lord and he was teaching the people and so they listened to him and as they listened they must have understood that the lord was a higher authority than their rulers it wasn't that i mean i obviously you know we have the idea that they were just kind of mesmerized by what jesus was saying but you know having been around law enforcement for a while i know that you know individuals take this seriously and and they have a duty to perform to those who they answer to and so i believe that these guys said you know what guys uh the pharisees and the officials are in authority over us but it's pretty obvious listening to this guy that he answers to a much higher authority and so you know we're in a conflict and so this is a situation when we're going to obey this higher authority rather than the earthly authority that's over us i would venture to say that every christian will one day face a situation in which you must choose to obey god rather than some earthly authority you don't need to go out looking for a fight. It's going to come to you. Whether or not the authorities lay hands on you, God overrules for your good and for his glory. And so, you know, it's not just uh, police officers or sheriff's deputies or whatnot. All of us at some point, wherever we are at our workplace or in, in the public forum, uh, there may be a time when we have to say, I'm here to obey God rather than man. And it, you may lose everything. Uh, I mean, it, it happens. Uh, So be ready for it by just waiting on the Lord and asking him for grace. Did you see the drawing on social media of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace with Jesus? They borrowed that uh, saying, may the fourth be with you. You Do you guys participate in that, may the fourth be with you? May 4th is, you know, Star Wars fans wear garb and they say, may the fourth be with you, like the force, get it? Not if you're awake. And so this, you know, so these guys said, you know, so there is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Jesus. There's a fourth person. May the fourth be with you. Yeah. Oh, oh. But this crowd doesn't know the law. They're accursed. This rabble, it could read, the rulers held the people in contempt. They contended that the crowd was ignorant of the law. We're leading a bunch of stupid people. Is essentially what they said uh, wow if you're in Christian leadership it's I mean, there's a lot of jokes about you know sometimes I've even said you know the ministry is wonderful if there just weren't any people involved you know easy but uh, you're there to serve not to overlord and so if you're looking down at your people as ignorance uh, if they're ignorant of the law whose fault is that if you're a teacher of the law but anyway that's a whole nother subject Jesus held people in compassion. Samuel Chadrick writes, compassion costs. It is easy enough to argue, criticize, and condemn, but redemption is costly and comfort draws from the deep. Brains can argue, but it takes heart to comfort. Verse 50, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? A lot is made of Nicodemus being cowardly, Since he visited the Lord by night. But of course, he visited by night. Both he and the Lord would have been busy all day. This is when you visited people and wanted to have a one on one talk with them. It took courage to open his mouth to this group. The majority wanted to kill Jesus. And it's obvious that he is defending Jesus, or at least his rights. Nicodemus could have convinced himself that saying something wouldn't do any good. Ah, The issue's solved. It's decided. Whatever I have to say isn't going to change anybody's mind. But instead, he rose above fear to rebuke his peers. The Apostle John's mention of Nicodemus, whom Jesus told he must be born again, reemphasizes that the theme of this section is the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit. Verse 52, they answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. These guys were masters of biting sarcasm. They ridiculed Nicodemus' defense of Jesus by suggesting he was acting like an ignorant Galilean rooting for a local boy to become the Christ. They portrayed themselves as grounded in Scripture. Scripture alone was their defense, Had they been relying on scripture alone, they would have received the Lord because he fulfilled the scripture. The book of 2 Kings indicates that Jonah was from Gath-Hefer, a small border town in Galilee. Were they ignorant? It's doubtful that they were. The Pharisees weren't dummies when it came to the scripture. Jonah and the other prophets I earlier mentioned were well known to even unlearned Israelites. This was straight out disinformation. They were intentionally misleading. I can see them dropping this line then walking away. Think of a press secretary making a claim that turns out to be blatantly false, walking away without answering any follow-up questions. It happens all the time, and you know, whether it's a politician or a CEO or somebody. They just say something that's a lie. And but they won't let you follow up, and then the next day it's re, you know it's pushed back in the paper or something like that. Uh, And so these guys, this is just an outright disinformation. There's no prophets coming out of Galilee. There's a bunch of really big prophets who came out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Feast of Tabernacles ended. Everyone went home. How many realized that they had been tabernacling with God? Most had been deceived by their leaders. What a, what a sad commentary. Jesus is there, the Feast of Tabernacles. He's the tabernacle. He's among his people. He's offering the kingdom, talking about this ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then they say, yeah, we don't want any of that. We're just going to go home. We're, we're going home. Jesus, early in the chapter, says, yeah, I'm going home too. I'm going to heaven because you have rejected me. But praise the Lord, I'll be back. We can and we must believe Jesus. Believe God who cannot lie. And so very simply, answer this series of questions for yourself. Number one, has Jesus been glorified? Number two, has God the Holy Spirit been given by Jesus? And number three, do you believe in Jesus? If you answered yes to all three, you have received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, out of your heart, will flow rivers of living water. It is your birthright as a born-again believer. There are many reasons why believers do not experience this refreshing flow. God the Holy Spirit can be grieved, we learn in the book of Acts. He can be quenched, we learn in the first Thessalonians. He can be neglected as we attempt to be Christ-like in our own energies. Galatians chapter three. John Calvin is quoted saying, there is no worse screen to block out the spirit than confidence in our own intelligence. And then an anonymous writer said, I like this, how little chance the Holy Spirit has nowadays. The churches and missionary societies have so bound him in red tape that they practically ask him to sit in a corner while they do all the work themselves. And so it isn't that we haven't received the Holy Spirit, it's that we don't believe that we have received the Holy Spirit. And this is why some people come to a subsequent experience uh, with the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the baptism of the Spirit or something like that, because they, they are you know, living in this neglect of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they finally just believe. They believe the Lord for salvation. Why not believe him that they are filled with the Spirit? Because he says they are. And then the, the, the um, difficulty with that is then it goes on to be a teaching that you must always receive it as a subsequent experience. In other words, you get saved and then sometime later in your life you get this real filling of the Spirit. It was normal in the first century for you to just be born again, be filled with the Spirit and just just be a gush of water uh, rushing through you, ministering to others. And we've lost that in, in many ways. And so if you are not experiencing a refreshing, empowering relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, how much more will your heavenly father give the spirit to those who ask him? If you have believed the Lord, you have received God, the Holy Spirit as a river of living water. And so, as I said before, believer, believe him. Amen.